This is a fourth hand production. Story in the news today. You believe in ghosts and the paranormal? Are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental, you know, governmental I don't know, uh, planes man. that they're building? And police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. There's this weird animal-like creature that was shot, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. And welcome, everybody, to Strange Uncles. I'm Shane. I'm John. I'm Josh. Man, it has... You guys are sight for sore eyes. Uh, most of you who are listening know that we ended Season 3 a few weeks ago, and this is a beginning to Season 4, so uh, nice to kind of be in the roundhouse with you guys again. Yeah, we're back, baby. I wouldn't say that, but let's let you know, let's work on it. <laughs> we'll go from there. So. Sorry, I got a little too excited. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. It's, it is October, so that's a good thing. So anyway, um, and great seeing you guys. Glad you're here. Um, glad listeners are here for season four. Um, we have actually something to kick off the season with that we are excited to be part about. He actually has been hanging on for a, a few weeks now till we kind of got a production schedule up and going. Yeah, and we're horribly unorganized. Yeah, well, I don't want to admit that out loud, but you know, well. it is what it is. Cats out of the bag, everybody. Yeah, there it is. Exactly. Um, we are very blessed to have somebody on here. So I'm going to do a quick intro and we will introduce him. T. Krulos is a freelance journalist and author from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Some of his favorite subjects to explore include subcultures, weird news, and strange personalities. He writes about local art and entertainment, lifestyle, and food and drink for publications like Milwaukee Magazine and Milwaukee Record. Other publications he's contributed to include Fortean Times, The Guardian, Boston Phoenix, Doctor Who Magazine, and Pop Mythology. He also writes a weekly column called Tease Weird Week, which I'm sure uh, I checked out his website, and there's some weirdness due to this week, you know, just to say. Uh, you can find it on tcrulos.com. And last but not least, he has joined us to talk about his new book, American Madness, The Story of the Phantom Patriot and How Conspiracy Theories Hijacked American Consciousness. T, welcome to Strange Uncles. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. It's been a bit, you know, like I said, I appreciate your patience completely through this. Um, first of all, I will say that we all have read the book. Uh, yes. The, the book is phenomenal. Something that I guess, John, if you want to start with how you kind of found out about it, cause you introduced it to us. Yeah. I'd, uh, I just downloaded Twitter for the first time and I was kind of scrolling through and I believe I saw one of your posts somehow, maybe on a uh, singular 14 society and somebody had made kind of a model of the Bohemian Grove incident that we'll get into a little later. And I, it kind of sparked my interest. I'm like, Oh, what, what's this? I'll check it out and clicked on it. I mean, the cover of the book is amazing. So that it immediately piqued my interest. So great job there. Um, and I was just like, well, shit. Yeah, I'll definitely pre-order this. So I got your pre-order, which was amazing. Um, got the comic book in there. That was super cool. Uh, and yeah, I flew through it in like two days. It was super easy, fascinating, horrifying read. And <laughs> um, definitely like made me have to kind of look into myself for some of the crazy shit I've believed in the past. I'm like reading your book and I'm like, damn it. 
<laughs> yeah, I uh, I felt a little funny for a couple of days after I finished it. Likewise. Like, yeah, for sure. No, I, and, and I think we all have the same experience. And hopefully, you know, you listeners, when you pick up the book again, um, the book is American Madness, the story of the Phantom Patriot and how conspiracy theories hijacked American consciousness. Um, a very crazy read. And, and we'll go around the roundhouse and just ask questions and and get your your insight on it. But I'd like to start if you guys are okay with the first question. Um, are, are you okay? Because I'm, I'm after you write a book like that, you got to <laughs> do all that research, and you know you talk about the rabbit hole. Uh, are are you kind of do you have things normal again, or I guess as normal as they can be? Oh man, uh, well, yeah. It totally it, it takes a mental toll on you. Um, you start to feel kind of paranoid, um, kind of upset and, and angry uh just reading about this stuff and hearing people talk about it so it was something you know i had some definitely some kind of dark days where i had trouble like processing everything i think i was starting to get over it but then this year like this kind of blew up into all this uh, madness which includes a lot of uh the conspiracy stuff that i talk about in the book so it was kind of like um you know, having an aftershock of working on this book because it was just in my face all the time. Every day there's some conspiracy news, you know, and so it's a lot to take in. And and I think when I ask you, you know, if you're okay and you talk about the conspiracy that's around us and, and you, you know, not only you feeding into it because you're researching a book, but we all are feeding into it. And we see, I mean, I don't want to bring out the dead horse out of the closet, but Look at this week. Look at last week. It's a prime example of do did we think it could get any worse? And lo and behold, it did. One thing that I was interested in in your book, and you covered the Trump presidency, for example, and you covered the fact that, you know, perhaps, you know, we have one of the biggest conspiracy theorists sitting in the White House. Is Does that bring any more true to light after the last couple of weeks we've had in your view? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, he's constantly promoting conspiracy theories. I mean, he has been since his campaign started, but uh, through everything that we've been through, it's been, you know, his go-to method of talking about things. So, you know, I don't know what's going on this week with his illness, but uh, it's been interesting to see actually like both sides kind of play a conspiracy that either he's not sick at all and sort of playing the part mm. or, you know, like I saw a QAnon person was spreading a message that, you know, perhaps the left had somehow infected him with COVID possibly <laughs> by like putting it on God. his debate microphone or something. Oh, man. So people really read what they want to into conspiracy. And it's a, uh, it's a little bit shocking to see it come from all sorts of different people. Yeah, I think it can kind of come from all walks of life, the left and the right. Um, I kind of—I don't think it really matters. I was at work when the news came about uh, him contracting COVID, and I mean, right then the bar wasn't <laughs> full by any means, but everybody at the bar was like, the conspiracies immediately started flying. Like five minutes after we found out, you know, like I the uh, one of the bouncers there was immediately like, there's no way he has it. Like, this is yeah. all a thing. And like, I mean, right. it just immediately started. So it's, it's pretty incredible. Um, what was kind of the inspiration? Why, why did you want to start writing about write this book and also follow the main protagonist, Richard McCaslin? 
Yes. So um, this all started for me in 2010. I was working on my first book, Heroes in the Night, which is about an unusual subculture of people that adopt their own superhero personas. And some of them do charity stuff, but uh, some of them actually patrol for crime. And I was like, wow, this sounds pretty wild. I'm interested. (laughs) So uh, I spent a lot of time hanging out with real-life superheroes. And while I was working on this book, I had started a blog that just kind of, you know, talked about people I had met and progress on the book and stuff like that. So one morning, uh, actually right around this time of year, early October of 2010, I get an email from this guy, Richard McCaslin, and he tells me that he saw my blog and that he's, he wants to talk to me because he adopted his own superhero persona back in 2002 and that he had been arrested raiding this place called the Bohemian Grove. Um, so I would not, you know, heard of him or the Grove or anything like that. And I just, I started looking it up on Wikipedia and I was like, wow, this is really crazy. Like something about these rich, powerful men worshiping in front of a giant owl statue. Uh, and then I found there was not a lot written about Richard at that point, but there was a couple of short articles that talked about how he had snuck into this secret society retreat and he was dressed in a costume and he lit it on fire. And then he had an armed standoff with the police. So I was like, I don't know what the story is or where it's going to go, but I'm very interested to find out what the hell is going on here. Yeah. I would say yeah, um, at the least. <laughs> so he, he lit it on fire. Did he light the owl on fire or cause isn't he, the owl. Yeah, Sorry, he, uh, he uh, wanted to very, that was one of his goals going in. He thought that he was going to disrupt, a satanic ritual, mm-hmm. uh, which he didn't find a satanic ritual. Um, and then he had another goal, which was he was going to burn the statue of an owl. That's sort of the centerpiece of this, of this place. But he thought that it was carved out of a giant redwood tree and actually it's made out of concrete. Okay. So, oops. Yeah. <laughs> so he decided that he would instead go to a nearby dining hall building and he tried to light that building on fire, okay. uh, which set off the fire alarms. And, you know, then the police showed up. Yeah. Um, what is the Bohemian Grove for anybody out there that might not have ever heard of it? Yeah, it's really a, a crazy story in itself, I think. Um, so the Bohemian Club is the group that owns this retreat. And they've been around since, um, you know, the 1860s. And they were originally formed to try to, um, you know, develop arts and culture in San Francisco. Uh, so after the club is founded, they start this um, annual trip every July to the Bohemian Grove, which is some beautiful land that they bought in Northern California uh, in the Redwood Forest. But this club over the years um, developed to not just be artists, but It has included some of the most powerful men in the world, including many U.S. presidents, uh, Nixon, Reagan, the Bush family, um, a lot of CEOs, you know, uh, top brass military, um, famous entertainers. They're all part of this club. 
Um, and it's this, you know, it's a private club, so the press can't go in there. Uh, it's a men's only club. And they gather in the woods and, you know, they kind of party. But it's always been a conspiracy favorite because they do this bizarre ritual in front of this owl statue every July to kind of kick stuff off. And, you know, they dress in monk robes and they sort of recite this weird, like, nature poetry. Um, and then they they uh, have a mock sacrifice of an effigy, uh, which they start on fire in front of this owl statue. So it's just, it's very, you know, it's kind of a bizarre, like, initiation ritual. But um, over the years, people have interpreted that to be that it's a satanic ritual and that they're possibly actually killing people and burning them or burning them alive in front of this owl statue. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of conspiracy has spun around the place. Conspiracy seems to be the, the centralized word here. Yeah. And that's not something, I mean, God, we do that every Friday night, right guys? You know, that's yeah, nothing new. Sounds like a normal weekend for me. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, for the, some of you might be early, early listeners of, of strange uncles. Um, we actually covered this a long time, Bohemian Grove. So I did some research on it and it amazes me T and I, and I think more than anything, what amazes me, number one, I'm wondering if it's still, it, especially in the light of this last year, I'm pretty positive it didn't occur but when it does occur and you have these rich, powerful men, and not just only this country, we're looking at people, you know, we have diplomats from around the world and they come here and it's just nothing but absolute debauchery. Even if you take away the conspiracy of the Satan and they're worshiping, you know, they're sacrificing babies and all this other stuff. Um, I, I would like to get into that a little bit because that's really what set off uh, your protagonist, Richard, to because he wanted to stand up for something. But something, the book is more than just about that character that you wrote about it also covers these other conspiracies and so then you have other people involved for example alex jones and i don't know if you kind of want to get into um get into that a bit yes he's actually a very important part of the story um you know i think the the three most important people to get from one end of my book to uh the other is richard mccaslin alex jones and later in the book uh donald trump of course yeah so, um, like you said, you know, there's the Bohemian Club has been around for a long time. Um, some of the strange things they do in there, by the way, is because there's no women allowed, they will have theatrical performances, but the men has to have to dress as women. So they'll do these kind of crude plays where you'll have the world's most powerful men dressed up like can-can dancers, <laughs> doing a can-can dance and stuff like that. But um, I think pretty much everyone thought that it was sort of harmless. Like, you know, it's just these rich, powerful men reliving their college days or whatever. That is until the year 2000. Uh, Alex Jones, who wasn't very well known at that point, uh, decided that he would sneak into the Bohemian Grove uh, with his associate, and they hid a video camera inside of a duffel bag. So they kind of walked around, they snuck in and they walked around and then they um, videotaped the cremation of care ceremony is the name of that ceremony that they do in front of the owl. Mm -hmm. And then he uh, cut that footage into, I would say a hysterical, you know, type of documentary where he's very much like interpreting what he saw as being a satanic ritual and, 
you know, he loves to speculate. So he'll say, well, who knows? Those could be real people. We don't know that. <laughs> um, so he, he puts together this documentary called Dark Secrets that implies some of these more sinister conspiracies very heavily. Um, and at the time, he's showing a lot of his documentaries on uh, Austin Cable Access because he's from Austin. He still lives there. Um, and Richard, who's the main person I talk about, especially in the beginning of the book, happened to be living in Austin during this time. And he's just gone through kind of a traumatic sequence of events in his life, a really rough patch where, you know, his parents had died and he lost his job and just having a rough time. And so he's sitting there on his couch in Austin, clicks on the TV, and he just happens to see this documentary that Alex Jones made on cable access. And I think he was really looking for something in his life at that point. And unfortunately, I think he was kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. And he was like, mm-hmm. no way am I going to let these people, you know, sacrifice people to Satan up there in California. So he started working on this plan where he put together this costume and got a bunch of weapons and then eventually ended up raiding the Bohemian Grove all because he had seen this documentary by Alex Jones. Yeah. Alex fucking Jones. Yeah, right. I, I think that's yeah. one of the chapter titles in your, the in your title book. of the chapter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah we're going to take a quick break and and then we're going to come back because I we'd like to go down that rabbit hole. I think a little bit with your T in regards of just influence. I, I think more than anything. Um, so if you want to stand by with us, we'll be right back. And we are back, um, back with T. Krulus, who again is the author of American Madness. Um, Josh, you had some things on your side. Yeah, so I you said that as Richard was heading down this path of getting way into Alex Jones and uh, the Bohemian Grove theory that he was in a rough spot in his life. He had just lost his parents. And, and he seemed to be, he had kind of a vagabond personality to begin with, it seems. Do you, how much of him being in that kind of vulnerable position, having just lost his parents, do you attribute to his descent into the, conspiracy theory uh, rabbit hole Mm -hmm. very much so i think um so richard he had uh he loved his mom a lot his mom actually helped him get interested in making costumes you know she would make him superhero costumes when when he was a kid he had a bad relationship with his father when he was young he was uh, abusive to him but i think you know they kind of had made amends towards the end of his life So he was an only child and he really just was used to having his parents be a big part of his life. So they both died, you know, relatively close to each other. He had gone uh, to go visit them, you know, as they were sick. And then he got an argument with um, a job, a good job that he had. He was actually portrayed Batman in a stunt show at Six Flags there in Houston, Texas. Um, he lost his job, you know, and he was just like struggling with some other like personal and creative stuff. So I think that he was, he was really hurting, uh, pretty badly. And, uh, he was really looking for something that was going to inspire him or give his life meaning. And he just, you know, happened to see this documentary and thought that 
taking out this uh, ring of satanic evil people who are secretly ruling the world was going to be his calling in life. It's kind of sad because man, if you would have just put that energy and that time into something positive, positive or something that like, you know, mattered or was real, you know, who knows what he could have accomplished. Yeah. And, you know, I always, I always saw it, you know, he was a very creative person. He had, um, Mm -hmm. he drew, you saw the the comic book that he drew, you know, Mm -hmm. while, while he was in prison, he had drawn this comic book about his life. Uh, he had made these costumes later in life. He made these short, like action pack videos that were like fictional adventures. So he had creative talents, um, you know, and I never thought that he was dumb. He seemed to be well-read on American history and stuff like that. So I thought he, he had potential to do something cool, but it just, it never, he was always struggling to like find that thing, you know? Yeah. Do you think, uh, has Alex Jones heard of Richard? I'm sure he has. And if so, has he ever made any comments on that? Because I mean, obviously Richard, uh, attests like that was his inspiration for doing this. Right. Whole thing. Yeah. 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 So this is, uh, I mean, I really, uh, I think that he got a raw deal because, um, Richard not only had the motivation to go to the Bohemian Grove from this documentary, but at the end of the documentary, Alex Jones is standing in front of the Bohemian Grove explaining exactly how you can get there by driving. So he like literally gave him directions how to get there. Then he raids, he raids the Grove and the local California press asks Alex Jones for comment and, and this is something he's done other times in his career. He just kind of goes, oh, my gosh, that's so crazy. I can't believe somebody would do that. Glee so, plays the I can't believe anybody would actually listen to anything I say card. Yeah. yeah and then uh, Richard's defense attorney, when he went to trial, uh, the court refused to admit the documentary as evidence, which, which I thought insane. was a huge blow to his case because – that was a, you know, I think that very much was the motivation for him going there. In fact, it's like one of the only pieces of motivation for him going there. Yeah. So. And, and you know, what's sad about that whole thing is you have people like that who are, they know they're an, an influencer, like, yeah. you know, like Alex Jones and what he does, but then to have them backtrack that whole thing, you know, we, we know somebody now that does the exact same thing, you know, it's constant feed into it. But once I feel like, you know, the fire's a little hot, I'm going to back off and it's going to be your fault. And, and it seems like it's a, just a regurgitated story over and over again. Um, I want to get back to a little bit about kind of, of Richard's where he ended up from there. But I, I do have a quick question for you, T when we talk about influencers and we talk about conspiracy theories in general, do you think, and you know, you've been around for a while, you know, we've been around for a while and you see how things go in the news reports and maybe it's different from 10 years ago, 15 years ago to now, everybody says, Oh, I've never seen it like this, but in reality, you know, 15 years ago it was, maybe it was just a different situation. But when you look at people who are being influenced by, they need to find something. They need to find a home. They need to find a place. They need to find somebody they're listening to, no matter what that means, whether it's QAnon, whether it's Trump, whether it's Alex Jones. Do you perceive that it's worse nowadays on who gets on those bandwagons? Or, or do you think it's just another just re-evolvement of, of just conspiracy theory in general? It's never going to go away, and it's never going to get any better. Um, I think it's <clears throat> it has evolved a bit because um, – 
you know, if we go back to like when Richard saw this documentary, so Alex Jones had AM radio, uh, cable access. He was ahead of the curve in, as far as he got an InfoWars website up pretty quickly, you know, mm-hmm. in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is that it, things have evolved into such a state where things spread so virally and quickly that it's hard to even keep up with. Um, and now, I mean, some of the biggest culprits have been social media, for sure. Absolutely. Um, and YouTube, definitely YouTube. Oh, man. Uh, so one of, the, one of the things I talked about in the book was Flat Earth. And I was pretty <laughs> yes, impressed did. to see that like 99% of people who say they are Flat Earthers said that they uh, became Flat Earthers because they fell down a YouTube rabbit hole. They were looking for something else, and YouTube started pushing them that direction with their suggested videos. It's that algorithm that YouTube so has built I, into their platform. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, those those platforms do crack down on it. YouTube cracked down on Flat Earth videos. And I just saw news today that Facebook is banning QAnon accounts. Yeah, but the problem is they do this so late that by the time they get around to it, it's already a big, huge thing. Yeah, I mean, the damage is done by now. I mean, there's yeah. no stopping QAnon now. As, right. as we were we were literally talking about that right before you got on. Yeah, um, we were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like, okay, cool, good. But uh, the, the damage is done by now. I mean, you can't stop this freight train. I mean, it's it's going. And it blows my mind when people are like, well, I, I saw this YouTube video and it explains everything. It's just like, man. Did you really? Of gym, some of the mental gymnastics that you really have to pull to like – yeah. You know, who's guarding this ice wall at the edge of the world? Yeah. Right. Like, the powers that be, John. Oh, the, the powers. Yeah, and that I mean, be. I mean, oh. I mean, you can't you can't keep a secret between five people, let alone uh every superpower in the world, let alone all the mercenaries guarding the ice wall right. and what have right. you. Well, and yeah, I mean, if you yeah. stop and think about it critically, yeah. But I mean, I got sucked <laughs> into that shit for a minute like from some pretty convincing videos on YouTube and started questioning my whole reality and was like, maybe it is flat with a ice wall around everything. Maybe <laughs> this and maybe that. And for like a good couple of weeks, I was like, Hey guys, did you, you know check this out? Flat with a dome <laughs> over it. And I was probably like 70% serious. And uh, yeah. And then eventually I was like, Oh wait, this is stupid as fuck. But <laughs> for a good few weeks of my life, I was like, Hmm. So it's it's kind of terrifying how easy it is to get sucked into something like that, you know. It's I mean, what's being fed to you. Yeah. A reasonably intelligent person as well, you know what I mean? Like my critical thinking skills are okay. So Well, well it, yeah. and it, it's such an era that, you know, a lot of stuff looks really credible online, you know. It looks mm-hmm. like it's a legit news source or something. Well, look at yeah, the deep fake. Fake site. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the deep fake is a good example of that. Like, look at where technology is. They literally can make Obama look like he said something when he didn't or whatever that situation may be. And, and people, they get spoon-fed that on a daily basis. You're always in front of a screen. You know, what are you going to do? So there's one thing I've got a question for. Um, you talk, well, so We talk about that. We talk about conspiracy. We talk about what we're looking. We talk about this poor um, character, Richard, you know, in your book, uh, who's a mainstay. Um, healthy skepticism. You know, it's okay to sit there and say, you know, this might be a thing. And and you even said it in, in your book, you know, talking about what, what if Richard was right? What if all these things, you know, what if, 
I'm looking at this and he, I'm the crazy pill guy, but he really had this figured out. Like when you think about that healthy skepticism, where do you think that lies in? And I think more of American society than in the world, just because of how we're designed. But um, do you find that getting any better? Because, because I mean, I don't know. We don't really necessarily. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so the what you're saying is uh, it is important to be skeptical and it's, uh, it's sort of a survival instinct to believe in conspiracy, you know, that's how you, uh, uh, preserve yourself. Um, and it's a way that you can prevent yourself from being like ripped off by a scam artist or something. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having those feelings of skepticism and being suspicious of other people, I think is a really good thing. But, uh, the problem is there's people like Richard, um, and other people who they step over this line that you can't really come back from. Yeah. And they just view everything as being uh, somewhat of a conspiracy. And that leads to a really unhealthy thinking, I think, because you're stressed out and like this kind of angry and upset about everything going on in the world, which I yeah. mean, there's pl plenty to be angry and upset about, right. but you know, so. Right. Well, you get to that point where, the conspiracy is all consuming and you have your super conspiracy and you just start folding everything into it. Even the stuff that contradicts the other stuff. And like, yeah. by the time you get to something that's the level of QAnon, like that these, these people can hold two totally conflicting and separate ideas, one in each hand and be like, Oh yeah, it's all true. And yeah. Somehow explain it to themselves in a way that makes sense mm -hmm. to them. It's, it's that's what I thought of when I saw this this QAnon person spreading this conspiracy that someone had infected uh, Trump's debate microphone with COVID. I was like, I thought that you guys said that COVID was a hoax. So <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, which yeah, one? Like, which is which it? one is which uh -huh. one is it? Yeah, yeah. Well, what what is QAnon? I mean, oh, yeah. surely there's got to be somebody out there listening that is has been wondering this hasn't really taken the time to look into it what what is QAnon? yeah i forgot this uh, just because they've been in the news so much lately that i'm like everyone must know but that's not true at all people are still hearing about QAnon. so um i wrote a chapter in my book titled simply q letter q which i think is a good introduction to the group i mean a lot has gone on with them recently but what happened was um Someone started posting on 4chan that they were a government insider named Q and that they were kind of cryptically revealing the secret plot that Trump has where he's rounding up this, um, and this totally ties into the Bohemian Grove. Same thing, that there's this, you know, evil, satanic group of people that are secretly pulling all the strings and they have this pedophile ring and some of them are actually eating people and all this terrible stuff. And Trump uh, is super smart and super cool and he knows all about this. And so he has a secret plan where he's just going to one day, everyone's going to be busted and arrested and shipped off to Guantanamo Bay, maybe. And he's, it's going to be a huge, good triumph over evil type of scenario. So they believe in this uh, very strongly. Uh, the followers of this belief are called QAnon. And it really started as very fringe, dark corner of the internet. But now I was shocked to see this year 
Uh, we've actually had several people who are running for Congress that believe in QAnon. What? And have yeah. won their primaries, Shane. Oh my! Have won their God. primaries. They are. Yep. There's a woman from the Georgia named, for the final election. Yeah, uh, a woman from Georgia named Marjorie Green has openly supported QAnon, and um, she's running unopposed. So she's going to be going to the House of Representatives. That see well, that, that's terrifying. Like, yes. How do you wrap your mind around that? I, I don't. I, I'm <sighs> just super interested to see what her first day there is going to be like. Me when, too. Uh, I want to see what what legislation <laughs> she comes up with. That and and when she gets to the office building and is like, "What's up, deep state? Here I am," because she's <laughs> been you know mm-hmm. online espousing all these these conspiracies about the deep state really ruling the world and sacrificing children to. Who knows what and drinking a drink oh room my and God. Oh it's my great. God. Yeah. So it's, uh, I, I think it's going to be real weird for her too. Well, so with that, so I've got a question with that. We talked about QAnon and, and again, you know, I've heard it, but I really haven't researched it. I, I'm a lot like maybe John or I know Josh knows more about QAnon than either one of us. But when you talk about these things, um, like there's one in here you mentioned, and you mentioned different conspiracies, a lot of them that are kind of new and recent, like ones that what the Clinton body count. I, I've oh, never yeah. heard of that in my life. Like, how do you, yeah. did you know all these conspiracies were out there or did you stumble on them and go, Oh my God, there's something else lying in the road. Yeah. Um, no, I would, I, I thought that I knew a lot about conspiracy theory when I started <laughs> the book and it turned out I really didn't. So oh, I, I knew a lot of the classic stuff, you know, JFK assassination. I've always thought was a very interesting a story and I'm, I'm genuinely interested in hearing, you know, different theories about what happened because it was a really weird day. Um, you know, of course, a lot of UFO stuff has basis in government conspiracy of some sort. So I was familiar with stuff like that, but um, Richard actually told me about quite a few different theories I hadn't heard of before. And then I just sort of was researching. Uh, he'd tell me something and I'd start researching that and, other stuff would pop up and it just is sort of never ending like huge uh, flow chart that goes in every so direction. Scary. So scary. <laughs> well, let me let, so real quick, a side question when Richard told you to look into, and he broke down the whole timeline and of the reptilian theory. Yeah. Did, did you, yeah. did you just go, what the fuck? What, what, like, did that yeah. blow your mind completely? Cause that's insane. Yeah. Uh, I think so. At first, he only he hand wrote me letters because he didn't have a computer and he didn't, you know, wasn't very keen on being online because he thought all the government agencies were spying on him, which, you know, maybe they were. But um, uh, so he would hand write me these letters, which were were great to get in the mail. And I think in the second letter that he wrote me, he started talking about reptilians. And I was like. This is like the this is the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. We're not now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's the craziest thing I've heard in my life. We're now. not that close but, friends yet. So, right, right. But at the time, I was like, "This is so far out there. I can't believe that anyone would believe this at all." But there's a large number of people that believe it. So. Yeah, you, in your book, you, I believe it was in your book where you said like how many Americans actually kind of buy into this rept, uh, space lizard reptilian theory. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't have the book in front of me. I, Shane has it. Um, yeah. But it was an yeah. astounding number. It, it was. I mean, it wasn't like 
an insane number, but it was like the poll found that like 15 or 20% of the people polled had felt that way, which I would say anything over 1% would be pretty crazy big. You know? mean, yeah. 15 to 20% of people polled. I mean, I, I can't remember how big the polling numbers were, but I mean, I, I feel yeah. like that's just, uh, yeah, it, and, it's mind blowing. It's absolutely like, I can't even get my head wrapped around that, that, that big of a yeah. percentage of people buy into that. Well, I was just going to say the other thing about that same poll that I thought was very interesting. Uh, and this kind of, it kind of shows you how once you start believing conspiracies, you'll believe any that you hear, they had slipped in a conspiracy that they had made up into that poll. That's oh, what I was yeah. going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Like the South Dakota crash or something like that. And, and what, like and 26 people, people believed, believed it. it. Yeah. Right. I people did. believed it because it just, you know, it's, it felt like it was believable to them. Yeah. Which is a lot of what conspiracy is. You have this gut instinct that that sounds right. Therefore it must be. I mean, I was guilty when reading the nine uh, 11 stuff. I mean, that happened when I was a uh, sophomore in high school, I was in 10th grade. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely was like, Oh, it's an inside job building number seven, so on and so forth. And that, that yeah. definitely, you know, I was since then, you know, I, I, there was no doubt in my mind that that was what happened to get us into war and all that. And, you know, now that I've gotten older, I've rethought that a bit, but it's a really good example because it's a, it's a scenario of trauma and like all this crazy stuff going on at once and like stuff that can't ever be answered, you know? So it's uh, really easy to like look at a narrative that someone lays down and they're showing you pictures like, Hey, how did this building implode on itself? Like the only explanation could be that it's a controlled demolition or something. Right. So, you know, I can, I can see why people would uh, believe those series because, you know, it's just such an awful event that you have to be like, there's gotta be something else to this story. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's what's sad because people take advantage of that awful event, you know, and mm-hmm. I remember there was uh, conspiracy theories soon after. I mean, literally, they didn't let the dust settle and there was already people on the radio spouting. I mean, have some decency about what happened. It's horrific. Um, we're going to take a quick break, but but I've got a quick um, example of something. You mentioned the JFK assassination. Um, I belong to another uh, little group and he knew a a policeman way long ago. He was actually security guard for the presidency back in the eighties. And he claimed that, you know, he says, yeah, he brought over this video of the JFK assassination, but it was from a different angle and plain as day. He said, you can see the driver just turn around with a gun and just get him." And Jackie was what? literally crawling out of the car because she was trying to get out of the car because she knew the driver had a gun and, you know, the secret service trying to pull her back in. Like he was just very adamant that he sat there and he watched this video. He says, I think I have it somewhere in the attic. I got to go home, look for it. And I go, well, you know what? You do that. You go dig that up and you pull because I'm really, I really, really want to see that because it is crazy. So, you know, you think about that and there's people that just, you know, it, it's, it's a rabbit hole for sure. But we're going to take a quick break and, and we'll can come back with T. Krulos. Stand by. All right. We're back with T. Krulos. Um, I've got one question, and I'll throw it back to John and Josh, and, and I think and we want to go back in a little bit of the book and the story of the person. But when we're on, we're talking about conspiracy theories just because it it, it amazes us all that they exist, I, and they've been existing for for millennia. It, it seems um, you did the research, you wrote the book, you laid awake at nights, probably I'm sure with that research in your head because I couldn't sleep. 
when you think about all these conspiracies that you researched and you put in your book, what's the craziest one that just you just can't wrap your mind around? Well, it, it, it turned out to be a, a ceiling that kept rising up on me because, like I said, when I first heard about reptilians, I was like, this has got to be the craziest thing ever conceived by man, you know. <laughs> um, but, you know, then later on uh, in my experience, I ended up going to a flat earth conference and I was like, this is the craziest thing I've ever done. And, <laughs> I, you know, it's just so bizarre to see a, a, like hundreds of people like, you know, really into this flat earth stuff and believing that's true. You know, more recently, I, I definitely think the QAnon is the thing that disturbs me the most, you know, uh, yeah. because flat earth, you're a little bit like, oh, this is kind of weird and, and a little bit harmless, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the QAnon stuff is just... Um, QAnon is dangerous. It's, really, it's dangerous. It's dangerous, yeah. Um, there's been incidents of people who uh, have been, you know, inspired to commit violence because of QAnon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I opened the Q chapter up in my book telling about this guy who actually shot a mob boss because mm-hmm. uh, QAnon believes that all of these evil forces are in league, right? The Democrats, Satanists, the mafia, they're like this uh, super league of evil. Um, so this guy went to a, a mafia guy's house and, and killed him. Because he was a QAnon believer. Jesus. Uh, so you know, it's um, it's it, there's been other instances. There was a woman who had a, like a bunch of knives, and she was driving on her way to New York because she wanted to kill Joe Biden. You know, <laughs> so it's just like these scary stories just keep popping up, and I'm yeah. I'm very confident that they will continue to you know. Recently, uh, there was a woman, I don't remember where, I want to say it was like Florida or Missouri or somewhere, where someone called the police on her because she was following a mother and daughter around because she thought the mother was abducting the daughter. And she was just like, she was basically patrolling the neighborhood looking for things she thought were suspicious and she thought a mother and daughter were suspicious. And it like is just insanity in the, and, and that's, I don't think even the right word because I don't think these people are crazy. I think that they've just gotten, it's like cult type stuff where they've let these beliefs infiltrate their, their minds so much that they think they're doing the right thing. And that's, what's especially scary because then they think anyone who doesn't believe the same stuff they do, or that is looking at them like they're nuts must be part of the cabal. And that makes, that puts your life in danger. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like if, if the people who are willing to enact violence think you're against them, then they're willing to enact violence against you. And it's incredibly dangerous. And I know most of them are just keyboard warriors at this point, but as you said, we've, we've seen it breaking out into real life here. Yeah. And it's, it's like a cult and it's a, a cult that is right now in a time that's really stressful to everybody. So, you know, this is the, the type of uh, stuff that makes people kind of snap. You know, all the stuff going on with uh, the pandemic and civil unrest and everything like that. So it's just like a powder keg waiting to blow up. I wish they would uh, uh, sometimes think of Occam's razor. Yeah. Just be like, nah, maybe that maybe that isn't isn't the way. 
How long did Richard spend in prison? Getting back to kind of the story of Richard McCaslin and the book, how many years was he sentenced to prison? Yeah. So he had this armed standoff with the police in the Bohemian Grove. Uh, I think he was pretty close to, to dying. Like, um, you know, a couple more seconds and they probably would have shot him. Mm-hmm. But he surrendered. Uh, he went to trial and um, the jury found him guilty of all the charges. He was charged with five felonies, uh, including arson and, you know, having an armed standoff with police officers. Excuse me. Um, And he was sentenced. They had originally sentenced him to 12 years in prison, I think. But later they found that the judge had sort of overserved or over, um, you know, made his sentence too long. So he ended up spending about six and a half years in prison and two more years in parole. Uh, so he was on parole in Redwood City, California. Um, and after that, he went on this peaceful protest tour where he went to all 48 lower states and protest in each state. Uh, that's where I met him for the first time, actually. He came here to Milwaukee, where I live. I was going to say, that's a neat little picture with you holding the sign next to <laughs> Next to the thought, um, what do you call himself at the time? Thought, thought crime. crime. Thought crime, yeah. He's trying to reinvent himself as thought crime. Um, and so he completed this tour, and then uh, he lived in Las Vegas for a little while, and then he eventually settled in this kind of weird little desert town called Pahrump, Nevada. Uh, and actually, I visited him at his home in, in Pahrump. was the last time I saw him. Yeah, Pahrump rung a bell for me just because of Art Bell. You know, he's yes. been a character I've been following forever. And I'm like, oh, Pahrump, that all makes sense. That's, you know, where all the yeah. weirdos might, you know, house up out of there. Yeah. Well, with Richard's story, you know, and again, you know, it's not giving way too much of the book. You know, it's amazing that he he just had a – between his upbringing, between his, his, you know, with Alex Jones and what he thought was right versus wrong, you know, his time in jail – the emails back and forth. I mean, was there ever a time that you thought that that he would mention something off the, or maybe he, Hey, look, I, I think I'm going down the wrong path or I'm not like, was, was he always just pointed in, in that direction and there was never change for him? Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think he, he, he didn't change his mind. His beliefs just continued to grow. I don't think that's true with everyone. Uh, one case I talk about in the book was, the Pizzagate shooter. So this guy believed in this conspiracy called Pizzagate that said that there was, uh, you know, child sex slaves in this pizzeria in Washington, D.C. And he had a raid that was very similar to Richard's on the Bohemian Grove. Uh, He went in there, he had a gun, and he didn't find anything. And at that point, he was like, oh, you know, I guess I was wrong about this stuff that I saw on the internet. Uh, Richard was not like that. In fact, um, when I visited him in Pahrump, one of the things I wanted to do there was sort of one last round of interviewing. And one of the questions I asked him was, I was like, so this Bohemian Grove thing, if you had to do this all over again, would you do it differently? And I was hoping, you know, this was sort of his out. Like he could have said, yeah, that was kind of a mistake or whatever. But what he says instead is that he, what he would do differently is he would drive a bulldozer into the Bohemian Grove so he could knock over the statue of an owl. 
that owl. I was like, <laughs> I was like okay, well, his he his thinking about this place hasn't really changed because you know. No, he he's he got convictions if nothing right. else. I'm sure. Right. So, right. God. Amazing story. Uh, John, Josh, do you have any other questions or uh, follow-ups? I got a few, but I I don't want to hog the whole time here with Um, that I I kind of was wondering. So, you know, we've been talking about how kind of, kind of how crazy all these conspiracies are and maybe how kind of easy it is to kind of, depending on your background, depending on your upbringing, depending on, you know, where you're kind of at in life, how easy it is to kind of fall down that rabbit hole. Um, Are there any conspiracies that you would say maybe, give a little more credence than others like some that are like because we have to be honest there are some conspiracies that turn out to be real and like you oh, kind of yeah. say you know what if richard's right and i'm you know i'm the mm-hmm. weird one mm-hmm. but are there any conspiracies that you give a little more credence to oh yeah absolutely and i think it's uh, important to note that i i mentioned a few of those in the book uh throughout the book i kind of will give an example if there there is one for example, you know, uh, the MK Ultra program, yes. which the CIA developed because they were trying to come up with a brainwashing drug. And they did these absolutely horrifying things to people that didn't know that they were being drugged. Um, same thing with there's something called the Tuskegee syphilis experiment, where they'd basically right. use people as guinea pigs to uh, see what the effects of syphilis would be. And they didn't tell them that they were infected. And so throughout history, you'll find all sorts of stuff that probably would sound like a crazy conspiracy. I mean, uh, I really cracked up when I was reading about the CIA trying to kill Fidel Castro. (laughs) And they had some some plots that were like straight out of Looney Tunes, you know. (laughs) They're trying to kill him with a literal exploding cigar. (laughs) Or they knew that he liked to go uh, snorkeling. So they rigged up a clam with like an explosive in it. So it's crazy. That exploded cigar would have worked. If you gave me the time, it would have worked. <laughs> so there's all this stuff that sounds like it would be a crazy conspiracy, but we know that they're true because eventually, you know, some paperwork was obtained through a freedom of in- information act request or something like that. So I, I definitely am not uh, so skeptical that I would dismiss everything as, oh, this is some fantasy conspiracy. Um, you know, in particular, I would say that I'm a little bit of a believer when it comes to a lot of UFO type stuff. You know, yeah. I'm, I can't say it for sure, but I would not be surprised to find out that the government has covered up lots of UFO stuff. Um, so that field in particular um, I think I'm a little bit of a believer in, and you know, the other thing is the, the Bohemian Grove exists and they do oh, this weird ritual in front of an owl. And there's other places like the skull and bones secret society fraternity. I mean, those are real places and they do have real powerful people who are members. It's just, you know, we like to add our own little bit of fiction to some of these stories yeah. That's the thing. You kind of spring them up a little. Well, you know, take, for example, Bohemian Grove. You know, it, it one of their, their mottos or, I guess, beliefs is, you know, you don't bring business there. You know, there's no business allowed, um, What like what webs we weave or whatever their motto may be. But, you know, it wasn't proven. But it, I've heard over and over with Bohemian Grove about the Manhattan Project. And that was specifically discussed yeah. at the Bohemian yeah. Grove. And, and, this, if, and you think about it, you know, if you get a group of men that powerful – you're going to tell me they're not going to talk shop talk. 
You know, it, right, it's right, one of those right. things. But when you talk about healthy skepticism, I think that line you discuss UFOs, you discuss MK Ultra, and these other things, and that's what's really hard for people who can't take the invested interest to look. That healthy skepticism line gets wider and wider because now you don't know, you know, tit from tat necessarily. You know, how far down the rabbit hole is this? This is just absolute bullshit over here. But now there's some credence to this over here. And MK is a very good example of it. And, you know, our government, God, you know, it's just as bad as every other government, really, and some of the things that have happened in the past. So it's tough. And, and I, you know, devil's advocate to some people that don't see that. But at the same time, I think it's our right, it's our privilege, it's our right to, to if you're going to speak of something like this, you really better do your research. You better know which way you're going. Talk to people. Educate yourself. Look at things from all angles. I mean, even Josh, when he read the book, you know, we had the conversation of, hey, this book makes us think different because we need to really look at what you see and make sure you dissect from every view before you make that healthy assumption, you know? I have yeah. a piggyback question on John's though, that I think might be just a little bit of fun for a second. But uh, do you have like a a pet theory that's like just your favorite, whether it's just ridiculous <laughs> and silly or something you think might actually be real or just your favorite one to think about and giggle or anything like that? Um, I, you know, I mean, I think I have this like real love for the Bohemian Grove stuff just because that's where the book started with me. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time researching the Grove. I uh, I read everything I could. I watched videos. I um, one of the parts of the story that I really love uh, as a writer is that um, Alex Jones wasn't the only person who snuck in there. Mm-hmm. Over the years, there's also been some other journalists occasionally who have have snuck into the Bohemian Grove. Uh, so I got to speak to one. His name was Philip Weiss, and he wrote an article for a magazine called Spy. Uh, and so I got to interview him on the phone, and he told me how he had he'd snuck in there by walking through the woods, and and this really cracked me up. Uh, he'd walk in with a Wall Street Journal tucked under his arm, and he'd have like a martini glass, and he'd just walk in there and pretended that he belonged there. So there's been sort of this uh, legacy of people who have snuck into the Grove over the years. Now, after Alex Jones and Richard McCaslin snuck into the Grove, they really cracked down on security. So people who have tried to sneak in since, um, you know, have very quickly been arrested for trespassing. So, but uh, Bohemian Grove and the other secret society stuff I'm very interested in. Um, The UFO stuff is the stuff that I tend to uh, believe in more. But, you know, I also, I think it's a lot of fun to talk about crazy stuff like reptilians, uh, even some of your classic stuff like Elvis being spotted at the 7-Eleven. Um, so I really like a lot of those music or Hollywood-related conspiracies, too. Yeah. And I think, I think uh, those are kind of harmless conspiracies. You know, they're fun. Right. They're, you know, take it with a grain of salt. You know, like, I don't you know, I, it's it's not hurting anyone. Um, I too love UFOs. I mean, I think it's very plausible that there's something to it. Um, do you have a favorite UFO story or like one of the, I'd Um, I'd say, I'd say one of mine is Rendlesham. That one, that one interests me quite a bit. Me too. I actually, I have a, a a book that I read. I forgot what it's titled, but I've got a book on Rendlesham, which was really good. 
Um, you know, I've always, I think probably the first UFO case I knew about, not a surprise was Roswell. So I've always yeah. found that to right. be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah, like these are all harmless, you know, it's, it's kind of when you get into the QAnons and the pizza gate and like, like going, you yeah. know, taking a gun and going somewhere where it gets really dangerous. You know, I'm never going to take a gun and go see if Elvis is really at the Seven Eleven. you know? Right. Like, yeah, no, yeah. I'll tell you, actually, the thing that, like, made me kind of pause and go, oh, was uh, the Sandy Hook stuff. Yeah. Where, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. people were saying that these kids hadn't existed and that it was all, like, a fabrication. It's insane. I was like, oh, you know what? Conspiracy theory can actually be really disgusting. Yeah, that was heart. That was heartbreaking to read in your book because you do address the Sandy Hook yeah. um, stuff. Yeah. and. I I knew there was conspiracies out there about Sandy Hook. I've heard, you know, false flag crisis actors. Um, but I didn't really know all of how far the how far people were going with that. And um, it was like harassing the families on the street and stuff like that. Yeah, having people Awful. having to move like what seven times or something because people yeah. just will not leave these grieving parents alone like i mean that's it was disgusting really yeah it is absolutely god so there is a real dark side to all of it too you know Mm. yeah um i've just got one more question on my side and then i'm done but it's kind of a fun question to follow up because i'm curious he's one of my favorite musicians of all time and when i stumbled him on the book i was like oh my god how was it interviewing les claypool oh it's so funny so um les claypool was reading the newspaper and he sees a, a very short news article about Richard raiding the Bohemian Grove. So he writes a song called Phantom Patriot. It's a, it's a pretty catchy tune that was on, uh, you know, one of his solo albums in 2006. So I was like, I got to talk to Les Claypool. This would <laughs> just really make this chapter really pop if I could talk to him. So I, I tracked down his talent agency and then I emailed them over and over again, just for, I don't know, probably close to a year. Oh, wow. And I was like, Hey, it's me again. I was just wondering if Wes <laughs> could, could talk to me for a few minutes. I want to ask him about this song that he wrote. And uh, eventually they're like, okay, we're going to give you 10 minutes on the phone with Les Claypool. And I was like, yes, I got it. <laughs> Uh, but it was a very awkward conversation because the first thing he says to me is he's like, Hey, this guy isn't going to like show up at one of my shows and try to kill me. Is he? <laughs> God. I was like, no, I, I didn't want to tell him a hundred percent. No, you know, cause you never know. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and he was just seemed very nervous that Richard was going to, you know, stalk him or, or hurt him, which I don't think he would have done. Yeah. Um, but so we talked a little bit. I got a couple of good quotes from him. And, uh, but then maybe about eight minutes into the call, his publicist comes on the other line and they're like, okay, T you're done. You're done. We're, we gotta get moving. Shut you down. Huh? <laughs> I was like, Oh, well, well, at least I got to talk to him for a few minutes, you know? Yeah. I guess take what you can get. That's right. kind of funny though, that he's afraid of, you know, Richard possibly stalking him. It's like, well, you wrote the song. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't write the song. probably assumed that he's going to go to jail forever or something. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Too cool. <laughs> well, um, I definitely loved the book so much. I mean, thank you. I think it's 
such an eye-opening book. It's a must-read, especially in the current climate that we're in. Oh, um, it's it's yeah. a real wake-up call to really use critical thinking and you know just just use Occam's razor when it comes to certain things. And I mean, I, it's it's one of the most important books I've read and a really long time, especially for kind of the current climate that we're in. So, so Likewise. Thank you. thank you so much for writing it and um, telling Richard's story. I mean, it was a, it was fascinating, easy to read, easy to get. Uh, and like I said, you know, it was also absolutely terrifying and sad, you know, when it comes to Sandy hook and it ran the gamut. So um, yeah, yeah I, I definitely stoked that you were able to come on and give us some time and talk about it. Yeah. So Thank you. It, Thank you. it was thoroughly entertaining and you humanized Richard in a way that uh, I don't think a lot of people could have. And also in a way that made it made him very accessible to someone like me who has like been taken in by a conspiracy or two in their lives. And uh, you know, it, it, uh, it made me feel a little bit better about when I believed shit that later I was like, Oh man, really? Damn it. <laughs> but also, I don't know. It, it it kind of also made a stark contrast to the way things are today, and and uh, and I think it's important. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It was. I started reading it this morning, couldn't put it down until I was done. So I actually just took today off and read your book. It was, and uh, I got the other one too that I can't wait. To, uh, you wrote another book called Monster Hunters, which is a little older, but um, I've got that uh, on order. And I, I just, yeah, I love your writing. I love your writing style and uh, very, very humanistic how you view things and. I don't know. Um, well, you know, I, I, I like Richard. Um, I thought he was an interesting guy. I didn't happen to believe most of the stuff that he believed in. Um, but, you know, he was a person and he was struggling to find meaning in life like so many of us are. So, Especially now. You know, I, I enjoyed talking to him. Yeah. 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 Is there anything you want to promote on your side uh, at all, T? Any new co- projects coming up, new books coming up, anything you want to, you know, we'll give your platform for? Uh, I'm working on developing a couple of book ideas right now, um, but nothing that's concrete yet. So, so for now, I'll just say if people are interested, my website is tcrulos.com. I have information about all the books I've written there. Uh, and I also do a weekly column on the site called Tease Weird Week, where I just talk about whatever's on my mind or topical. Uh, and I also announce a lot of stuff that I'm working on there and upcoming appearances and stuff like that. So I'm Is, assuming you're going to yeah. go ahead and – oh, sorry, John. I'm assuming you're going to uh, go ahead and um, order that new coin that Trump has out uh, that he beat be COVID. <laughs> I mean, because that's already on the you know the White House store and all. So, you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, right. Is your website the best place for people to order your book from? Um, I think I have links on my website, but you can't buy it directly from there. But it's available wherever you can buy books. So it's, it's on Amazon and, uh, you know, independent bookstores. You can order through them, too. And I highly suggest anybody listening to this, go immediately order that book because it's highly worth it. And, Yeah. Absolutely. Completely 100% worth your time. Yeah. And again, just so you guys uh, miss it the first three times, American Madness, the story of the Phantom Patriot and how conspiracy theories hijacked American consciousness by T. Krulos. Um, Yeah. Phenomenal. So, uh, T, thank you so much for having patience. Thank you for emailing back and forth and and bearing with our time frame. 
Um, love to have you on. Uh, let us know if you want to come on again because you know anything you you ride on behind at this point. And um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me. Cool. All right. Oh, yeah. Well, you have a good night. And yeah, again, it was awesome talking to you. Awesome talking to you guys. All right. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Yeah, so Tia. Oh, my God. Tia was awesome. Right, great was interview. interview. Oh. Yeah, but, good interview. Yeah. I'm glad uh, we could finally make it work. I know that we kind of flipped the dates on him for a few times. So, yeah, yeah super cool, dude. Yeah, been a, yeah, and again, you know, any listeners out there, uh, I'm, I ordered the one book. I'm going to order another one. Um, I just – his writing style – even if if the subject matter doesn't really fit you, which all all of us, all three of us, thought that no, this is kind of a must read, especially for twenty twenty. I think if you enjoy this show, you're going to enjoy that book. I think so too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll we'll put that on the highly recommended list for sure. Um, great to have him on. We actually have other interviews lined up uh, with other authors as well. So stand by for season four. This is just the beginning of the episode. We're all excited, not only just because we had tea on, but we haven't been together for a few weeks. So, you know, that was cool too. It's a good way to kind of kick it off, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And we're still doing it, uh, you know, socially distancing yeah. COVID responsibility. Yeah, that's right. Unlike some people we, we know. So, or we don't know. <laughs> I will never cross unlike, paths. Unlike them. the GOP. Oh, God, God. <laughs> oh, I'm so angry. If I could turn green right now and throw this yeah. table, I would. Um, Sorry but, for bringing it up. <laughs> that's fine. We do have a little bit of announcement, though, as far as um, we do have for the Patreon listeners out there. Uh, we have some things in the pipeline to throw out to Patreon. Uh, we've been, I know myself, been reading a couple books. I know Josh, John, you know, you guys have as well. Um, we're going to try to put together a Halloween episode in October. Um, but we do have an episode as far as our releases. And I don't know if one of you guys want to cover that at all. or. Yeah, well, um, so we are going to go bi-weekly um, starting season four. And that's kind of because it's my fault. Uh, I've just got a lot of things going on in my life right now. And it's I'm having a hard time managing my time and keeping up with everything going on in my life to be able to research every single week and, you know, bust out a book in a few days and, um, and just have stuff for every week. So we're going to go bi-weekly because bi-weekly curious, bi-weekly <laughs> curious. I'm definitely, bi-weekly. but, um, on honestly, <laughs> you know, we're going to shoot for more, but, um, if not ex- expect bi-weekly for sure. Um, and that's just because, I've got a lot of shit going I, on. I don't think it's all you, though, dude. You're, I think we all have life. in school. You know? yeah. yeah, I'm trying yeah. to teach myself how to fucking code, teaching myself a few different languages, and that's just taking a lot of my time because I'm really focusing on that. So, unfortunately, working on a something, change yeah, and working full-time. Yeah, so yep, something is, uh, something's suffering, and unfortunately, it's the podcast. But uh, as soon as I learn that shit, I won't have to, you know do that as as much so you know hopefully uh, eventually we'll be able to get back to the the weekly episodes but for now bi-weekly so deal with it y'all yeah and i you know like i said we all have lives um we are in agreeing so we're going to try to do we'll do bi-weekly shows um but we're going to try to squeeze a news one in there so we'll have at least three new episodes for you guys uh monthly you know because the news are 
it was always fun, especially with what's going on. Um, yeah. You know, and we'll kind of make that format. You know, like I said, you know, life gets in the way for all of us, not just you, dude. Um, yeah. It is what it is. So. And this gives us a chance to focus on quality over quantity. You know, like uh, not having a weekly deadline will give us a, a chance to make sure that the stories that we're bringing to you guys are worth your time to listen to. So I'm actually very excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a flip side to it for sure. gives me a little bit more time to edit and publish. gives Josh a little bit more time to do some video editing if that's what we do. Um, you know, there's things out there. So, and then for Patreon listeners, we are not forgetting about you. We have some things in the pipeline again. We'll put those out um, and we'll go from there. So I don't know, you know, I think more than anything, it was cool having him on. We took me a while, lined him up and, and get him. And he kept kind of, hopefully, you know, he, <laughs> I can't, T, I'm sorry. Let's do our production calendar. I made it sound like we're professionals. So, you know, maybe he bought into it. Um, but we really love what I'm, we do. And, you know, I think that's an important thing. Yeah. I mean, we have a production calendar. Do we stick to it? You know, that's Not anybody's so guess. That's yeah. anybody's guess. But yeah. we, do we, we ever do have, look back at it? Yeah. <laughs> but we do know that Google calendars exist and things are in there. But how often we refer to it is a whole other. Uh, I'm just going to give what, uh, one of the twenty five dollar tier Patreons access to the to the production calendar, and they can tell us what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, from that's now on. Exactly. <laughs> hey, do you guys want to be an intern? We're not going to pay you, but do you want to be an intern? <laughs> so anyway, uh, oh, you know what? Actually, that's not a bad idea. You know, if anybody ever has any topics that they want and they want to do some of the research. And, you know, throw us a bone, maybe, you know, you could be a, hey, we'll a, be more, a, yeah, you could be a strange researcher or something. We'll uh, be more than happy know, to I, fuck I, it up for you. I wouldn't be against that. So, you know, hey, that <laughs> throwing that out there. I, I know other podcasts have, you know, they have research help from, from fans. So why not uh, send out a fishing line? See if, uh, no, you never know. You, you know, never know who's we have any around. takers. Yeah. Exactly. If, if we do that, maybe we could do it weekly. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Take a load off. You put but, it out. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I had a blast. It was cool. Uh, thank you so much. You know, in the midst of our little mini vacation going from season three to season four, which, you know, we made it to season four. So I think that's a start. I think more than anything, um, you know, social media, I've been on there with Twitter, been on there for some other things about going on. So I, I try to keep, we all try to keep that going. Josh, you with Instagram, John, you with Facebook. So hopefully, you know, we still had a pre- presence out there. Um, yeah. Just, um, I actually deleted Facebook. Oh, uh, never mind. Take that out. I <laughs> so uh, I I do have messengers. So if you do message strange uncles on Facebook, um, I'll see it. But uh, I deleted the app because I don't know. I was scrolling through it one day and I didn't even think about it. I was just like scroll, scroll, and I'm like, you know what? Fuck this app. And I just <laughs> deleted it. Did you watch the social dilemma? I haven't yet. No. Is that good? Uh, I haven't watched it yet, but okay. everyone that I know that's watched it has basically deleted their apps at least, and they're going team browser boy and only only logging in to like a website to like actually dedicate time to doing it because because that's a pain in the ass. They'll do it less. Hmm. All fair. Yeah. Yeah, I've been meaning to, that's on my list to uh, to see. I've got one quick thing for everybody to see, by the way, and bear with me as I say it, and then we're going to go into social wrap-ups and make sure you know where to follow us. Um, you guys have not checked out Butt Boy yet, correct, on Prime? Uh, but no. Boy. Uh, do it, I have to get permission from my parents first? N- what, well, no. It's, it's actually not one of those, but it is the most weird, surreal – 
just check it out. Write us and see what you think, people, because it was odd. It was a very, very good movie. It was well done, but it was just a very – the premise alone is just crazy. So anyway, I'm throwing that out there. You know, I did see some movies here and there. Um, if you have a topic, you have something, you can go ahead and write us at strangeuncles at gmail.com. You can check out our website, mystrangeuncles.com. You can go and call us if you have any kind of new encounter, especially Halloween coming up. You know, if you guys want to have something on the table, uh, we're going to do a special episode. And if there's call-ins there, by all means, we'll have them. Um, so send them our way at 801-252-69-45. Um, socials? Uh, we're at Strange Uncles Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Strange Uncles on the Twitter. Uh, we have a YouTube channel, Strange Uncles it may or may not continue to get updated. Haven't decided yet. Well, there it's you up go. to you guys to subscribe and watch the goddamn videos, and then maybe it will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've done all that we can do. Exactly. Uh, I also wanted to throw out T's Twitter because uh, he didn't. Um, if you want to follow him, it's T Krulos, T E A K R U L O S. Um, yeah, dude's very interesting. I recommend. Badass name, badass author, personally. Great writer. Yep. So, yeah. Glad to have him on. Um, everybody, we will see you guys on the flip side uh, with another episode. And um, don't know. I don't have anything. You guys good? We're good. Yeah. I'm ready good. to fade into the darkness. Close the gates, everybody. You've been listening to a fourth hand production. <laughs>